0: Thank you. Out here, so I start my impressions with just saying the name of the person over and over again. So,
1: have <laughs> just, you, give me a name, give me a just, name, give just, that, give, 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 give that, Im- <laughs> put that image in somebody's <laughs> yeah. mind of the listener so that they can. Yeah, have you ever seen Ted Cruz's uh YouTube video where he does Simpsons impressions? No, it is is that real? It's or real, and Ted Cruz does Simpsons impressions. It's a, it, this is a fun game that I'll play watching this you video. Know, Zodiac Killer did Simpsons. <laughs> oh. This is it's a fun game I play called how long can I watch the video before I stop playing it? And I don't last very long in oh, uh, Ted Cruz's Simpsons impressions. If he starts with, like, Mr. Burns, which I think is the character that has the most in common with his voice. <laughs> yeah. The uh, most in common with him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like, then like, everything else is, like... is just downhill.
2: Oh. I feel like Good impressions come from, like, an understanding of how the person works and their mannerisms and stuff, so that checks out for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, this is new from Ted Cruz inside, <laughs> this is a music Mr. review Mr. Burns. Podcast. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's a cold enough open. Not cold as it is in Michigan right now. Hey. Hi, everybody. Woo. It's uh,
0: January in Michigan, and we got we got a podcast for you. This is something old, something new, something borrowed, something brewed. It is a music and beer review show. Uh, as always, I'm Andrew J. Pytel. I'm Nick Lancaster. And joining us today, we have Jeffrey Cardwell. Jeff Cardwell, who we didn't figure out how we should introduce. We never asked people introduction. uh, Tell us about yourself, Jeff.
2: Well, (laughs) first things first, I panicked and said Jeffrey. Nobody calls me Jeffrey. Um, (laughs) Jeffrey A. Cardwell. Yeah. (laughs) It's Jeffrey B. Cardwell. Oh, Uh, shit. um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. um, do you, me. Like, do you I like jazz? I oh. do. I have I do have some experience in that venue. Um awesome. I also work in a venue.
0: Yeah, Jeff works in, in uh in the music business, and the entertainment business. Um bit mm-hmm. of a musician himself, so we're it's gonna beautiful. be talking about some music today. Yeah.
2: My uh I do I do have a background in jazz. My my real passion is the hip hops. Hell yeah. And yeah. Nick, how, how are you?
1: How are you, Nick? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I uh, just got back, well, about a week ago, I got back from Seattle. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was at PodCon 2, which is a podcast convention put on by John and Hank Green. Uh, all all the, the famous people were there. Some of the famous people were there. The people that are very famous to me were there. Are they going to number all of them? See... Because yeah. it seems like, like,
0: oh, for the you know, the Super Bowls are numbered, but, like, <laughs> Comic-Con,
1: comic convention
0: isn't numbered. It's yeah. not,
1: like, Comic-Con 27. No. Yeah, it'd be, like, Comic-Con, like, 2014. Like, the it would be, like, the year. It's not, like, you know, sequential. Uh-huh. Which, I think the only reason they called it PodCon 2 was because the first one was kind of a fluke. Like, it, it was not really a fluke, but, like, they, they crowd funded it like they were like mm-hmm. hey we're gonna we want to do this thing and if you donate to it we can make this thing happen and i think because it was a success they crowdfunded another one and then hmm. met that goal again so i'm guessing that's why they called it podcon Two. i don't know if like if they do another one i don't know what they're gonna do because it seems podcon
0: weird. the number two or podcon
1: t-o-o was, like, this was, is podcon also it was it was number it was the number two. Oh okay um okay. yeah it was great less than inspired writing yeah yeah which, which is ironic coming from the Greens. You
0: meet anybody famous?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that was kind of a leading question there. I'm trying to lead you to the famous people. Objection. Vegan, <laughs> Badgering the witness. Um, I was in the presence of many a McElroy. Uh, got to meet Griffin and Clint McElroy. Oh, wow. And I was a sputtering idiot the entire time. Because, the, you, you know, you think that you, you can just hang with people sometimes. And then you, you meet them, and then your heart takes a shit. Yeah. And then uh, that's pretty much how it was the whole time. Like, I met Clint, and I, like, shook his hand, and then awkwardly was like, hey, I, I think we follow each other on Twitter. Like, that's that was, like, the only thing I had. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, yeah. And then I got a picture, and, like, I basically ran away. Uh, well I also like met Clint right after meeting Griffin so I was already like in fight or flight mode and then as soon as I go to like the down escalator to get mm-hmm. back to where my sister was like Clint and Justin were coming up the up escalator and I was like well shit I guess I gotta do this now too uh, it was a great weekend though met a lot of cool people I actually met Colin Parker uh in oh, person yeah, who Colin was, was out there
0: on our show yeah a couple months ago yeah I can so, say
1: recently but yeah so that was cool. Got it's to meet fine recent. That's got awesome. to meet like a remote guest in person. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. Overall, good weekend. I feel invigorated to make podcasts now. Yeah. Which is good because that's what we're doing right now. Oh, yeah. Andrew, I think you start off the show. Uh, if the name of our show is still accurate, I think that I do. Yeah. So something old. What old thing do you have for us? So I just um. <laughs>
0: Today, I'm going to briefly talk about... Briefly? An album called Graduation by the late Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) The late Um, Kanye West? It was released on September 11th,
1: 2007.
0: Man. Um... And what is it with metal? <laughs> what is it with September eleventh in this show? Jeff this probably like doesn't know this. This is like the fourth or fifth album that was released on
1: September eleventh that we talked about. <laughs> like the wow. first episode we reviewed Rock in the Suburbs by Ben Folds, which Would- was released on September eleventh, two thousand one. He has
2: building a conspiracy theory or I something. I think so. Yeah. Musically.
1: Based is this it by The Strokes is also released. Anyway.
2: Also, is this like the opposite of aging ourselves, where we're talking about an old album from two thousand
0: seven? So like, <sighs> okay, that's kind like, of the thing that's come up where it's like we don't really talk about. Well, Nick talked about old albums. I don't really talk about anything from before two thousand because because like I
1: agree, it it hasn't, hasn't come, come old up yet.
2: Album.
0: Yeah, it feels
2: old. 2007 feels old. It's really especially, just... Especially relative to Kanye's timeline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: like, it's really just not new. He packed a lot new. in the last 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> we do not new, new, borrowed and brood. But, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, it's a shame what happened to Kanye. <laughs> we should do some Brahms sometimes and just evil, <laughs> some, even it out. Some Schubert. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, you all know the story, right? Kanye West comes out of nowhere, through the wire, etc. And then after graduation, he tragically passes away. Um, it's a shame. Um, the thing is, I picked graduation like a month and a half ago because that's when I was graduating college. And it and I was <laughs> it like, seemed like a good goof. It seemed like a good thing to do. And then I was like, now I got to talk about Kanye on the show. <laughs> um, I don't know. But it's so still we got good. Jeff here. In the house, Got a Who lot knows of more about hip hop than anybody that I know, except for because I know you. So I guess you know as much as one person that I know because it's you. Um, let's play a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like let's, let's a flounder. Do it. Throw it in there. Uh, hey Jeff, what song should we play? <laughs> um,
1: uh, for graduation. There's a lot of songs that were on graduation that I didn't know were on, that I that I, I had heard, but Be- didn't know that they were on graduation. I, was, I, I had thought of one that I wanted like, to I wanna,
0: talk I about. Because, like, I want to say good morning, but I always start with the first song. So, like, I don't know if starting with the first song here is a good idea.
1: Because that's probably do what I was going do. we want to listen to
0: T-Pain? Do we want to listen to Lil Wayne or Most Def? DJ Premier? Not, not the Most Def because it makes me
2: sad because I love Most Def. Not the
0: most deaf <laughs> All right, um... We got champion, champion. That's By a great
2: Kanye one.
1: West off of graduation. That's a great By Kanye one. West. All right, Against. here it is,
0: champion from
2: Kanye
1: West. I mean,
2: it's re- it's really good. It um. is, it's fantastic. So like, graduation is like for me, it just like marks like I don't know. You say like Kanye West died, like it's it does mark <laughs> that. Like it marks uh, like a transition because um, I went back through because. One thing that's always really interested me about Kanye was, like, the way that he's perceived, um, especially as far as his, like, perceived innovation goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I take a bit of a hard line on um, kind of – I I, want to kind of ease back on those those statements because they they come from a lot of people and, and mostly him. <laughs> and, it, and it's <laughs> kanye west i mean is a i mean said kanye west <laughs> yeah and it's i don't know like this this album if i went back through and looked at all the production credits because that's mm-hmm. typically where he's credited with being mm-hmm. um an innovator yeah and he has done some to give him his credit he's done some really innovative stuff mm-hmm. i think especially with vocal production and the way he uses vocal um tracks and samples
0: mm-hmm. to I mean, yeah, fill the, out his the, production the soul sample thing is kind of like where he found his home right yeah, yeah taking like, these old motown clips basically and sampling that into a real song yeah uh, real, they were real songs sampling a sa- yeah whatever so like champion
2: is a good example i think because like the 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 vocal line in that sample is what sets it apart as as like a kanye track mm-hmm. right because a lot of you know sam- soul chopping was not a thing that he created and especially by 2007 it was not an innovative thing yeah right. um and there's a lot of people that did it earlier and and i think more
0: um effectively yeah effectively jeff's trying is hardest not to say better <laughs> well cause because I don't think we don't it, judge art in those terms well because i
2: don't think it actually is
0: better i think it's like it's it's really interesting that
2: that's like why it kind of interests me so much because it, mm-hmm. he's perceived as doing it in this way, that's like super new and and interesting, and I think it's because I mean, part of it is that he commercialized it in a way that soul chopping wasn't commercialized before. Mm-hmm. So if
1: you, I mean, if you're already into hip hop, and someone's like, "Can you believe this new thing that Kanye did?" and you're like, "Hold on, yeah, like that that has been around for a long time." Yeah, if you if you're talking about,
2: as far as I'm concerned, if you're talking about a new thing that Kanye did, and it's not his use of like vocals in beep um, like uh, construction. Mm-hmm. Then somebody else already did it, <laughs> um, especially with his more recent stuff, which yeah. is part of the reason that this album is interesting, because if you look at the personnel on the record, um, Mike Dean, this is really where you start to see his name, mm-hmm. and as far as I'm concerned, Mike Dean is a god um, wow. of production and mixing and, and, mm-hmm. and hip hop, um, like background hip hop stuff. He's the master. Um, he's pulling the strings he is and he's part of this team that kanye kind of constructed for himself over the course of you know a decade or so Mm -hmm. um and if you look at like late registration and college dropout um the the name Manny american comes up a lot Mm -hmm. and he's another incredibly talented person with a very different sound from mike dean mike dean's all since and and mike Mm -hmm. dean has a lot of um, you know, if, if you listen to the Travis Scott record, Travis Scott's first record, um, mm. uh, Birds in the Trap. I have not listened to that. You, it's pretty good. Um, okay. even if you don't like trap, um, Birds the, in the Trap. Sing Brian McKnight is the full. So like the birds and the bees. Is that, is <laughs> yeah, really
0: knowledgeable.
2: I think birds, as in birds singing, and they but in the in the trap they sing Brian McKnight. Huh. Um. But anyway, he's all over production on that record mm-hmm. and it sounds incredible. And it, oh, yeah. But it's very spacious. It's very ambient, but also hard hitting. And that's, you know, you can, if you listen to more recent Kanye stuff, that's like what you're getting a lot of is like this very open sounding, mm-hmm. but powerful synth based,
0: like bangers. Nice. Um, yeah, speaking of Mike Dean, um, we can jump into the second clip. Uh, this was the first Kanye song I ever heard. When I was, when I was just, just a wee lad. Can I try um, and guess what one it is? Oh, yeah,
1: you can guess. <laughs> <laughs> is it, well, okay. Is it one of the big songs on this album? Yeah. Okay, well, there's... The... <laughs> well, no, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, yeah, I guess that, that kind of ruined the surprise. You can just say what it is. I don't know why I played like, this guessing No, game. now
0: you need to guess. Is it I feel stronger? Like, yeah, it yeah, is. I think that's okay. the first yeah, one yeah, that yeah. I heard, too. It's like, I feel like it was we, all can't, over the radio. we can't hit this album without without touching on that, especially because that's, you know, we all that, that it's is just Kanye West and Mike Dean. And, like, that, that for me was... If I was gonna get into hip hop, that's probably exactly when it would happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I was, you know, I was a theater kid and you know, like show tunes and shit. So like mm-hmm. right around that same era was when I felt like for the first time people I was friends with were into rap and hip hop and yeah. I think it was all right in about the same time.
1: Well, what's I don't know, I was doing a little bit of reading uh, about this album before we were recording. Mm-hmm. And apparently I guess uh the direction this album took was inspired by Kanye opening up for u two. He was on tour with U two apparently, <sighs> mm-hmm. and he he would he would watch Bono and like he he basically saw like the way that um like U two opened up and closed their shows with like these big anthemic like you mm-hmm. know power not power ballads but just like you know these anthem arena rock yeah things. Well, I mean right on the periphery of power ballad like right. sort of going for that effect without betraying yourself to that end yeah and so I think Kanye was basically like. I want me one of those. Mm -hmm. And so that's why this album has, like, those kind of hard-hitting, like, basically, like, like bangers. Like, several of those. and so, like,
2: part of the thing with Kanye that is impressive and is, like, interesting about him is he's so good at creating teams and he's so good at using the people around him to create what he wants. Like, he's a visionary in, like, the most pure sense of the word like he has mm-hmm. the vision he knows he like knows what he wants and then he has a team of people that help him mm-hmm. get it and it's like mike dean is one of those people shea pope uh noah goldstein uh there's a ton of people that are like around him all mm-hmm. the time and they they like they they'll talk about it opening openly too where he'll he'll get them all in a room and be like here's what i want for my next album i want this kind of sound i want it to sound like this and i want to hit these notes and then they just get to work
1: well, It's kind of like um I think that's kind of how Michael Jackson operated too. Yeah. To kind of take a I guess a left turn there. But like I remember hearing stories about like Michael Jackson not being exactly like instrumentally talented. Right. But he would have people in the room and he would basically sing melody lines. He's like, and I don't want and I want the guitar to do this, and I want the synth to do this, and I want yeah. the bass to do this. And he had it, he had it all in his head, but didn't have like the technical prowess to make right. it all mm-hmm. manifest itself. Yeah, and so, and that's what
0: Quincy Jones was for. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Quincy were, Jones. They've all been taken advantage of by the people around. Them to an end. <laughs> yeah. Here's Stronger um, Off of Graduation by Kanye West. So, the main reason that, you know, I, I don't always love to play the hits off an album when we're, when we're doing the show, but um, the main reason that that song I think is still noteworthy uh, is sort of its, its relevance of that daft punk song that sampled there. So this is two thousand seven, maybe maybe two thousand six when they're recording. I don't know how fast production went on the album, but like this is super early days of YouTube starting up, mm-hmm. and like viral videos were were a thing, like the Numa Numa dance, and well, like um, it, it, like
1: Star Wars kid. The way YouTube worked initially was just like. Here's a video of me and my dog. It was it was I. It wasn't really what it is now. Like it was supposed to just be like you just upload whatever. Well, people didn't have production budgets for their correct yeah. for their viral videos.
0: So, so the people, people that making did. money off of it and people didn't know it'd be as social as it was. Right. You would send a YouTube link to someone else. But, hey, here's my video that I uploaded, so you can watch our home videos or something. Yeah. And videos couldn't be longer than ten minutes for a long time. Yep, I have oh, an audition God. video
2: on YouTube that I. Can't remember the
0: password to that account, so I can't get it off YouTube.
1: <laughs> and Andrew, have we talked on the show about your YouTube video? Probably. Yeah, I think we have. We can we can skip over that. I've
0: got some. I've got some YouTube videos, Jeff. Um, I've got a um, I've got an anime music video on YouTube. Woo. That you. Good luck finding it. Um, you can't yeah. unless you ask my girlfriend. She'll tell you um, gleefully. Yeah, very happily, she'll tell you where to find. Um, that's got like. Sixty five thousand views. <laughs> and um a couple uh uh fan dub voice acting auditions wow. for, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon, that kind of thing. Hell yeah. Really good stuff. I'm into that. Um so uh one of those first really impactful viral videos, like one and and I remember this happening where all of a sudden there was stuff that like me and everyone that I knew had all seen. Um one of the first ones was that that finger dancing kind of thing to um Daft Punk, where each thing says a different thing and they do the thing. I, like it's super hard for me to try and describe it. If it's like, are there words written on the hands? There's words written on the hands. It's like harder, better, faster, stronger. Are like but the then word. like the other parts of it, and they do the whole thing, and it shows every single word as it happens. Oh yeah. Um. And that's like culturally relevant. The internet is starting. Like, these things, like, um, memes are becoming not just a Carl Sagan idea and becoming, yeah. like, something far, far darker. I think yeah. it was um, Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins idea is what I meant, yeah. Where it's like, Dude, oh, it's if Carl it's Sagan S- invented memes, holy shit. Well, because memes stop being Where's the Beef and start being Numa Numa Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like um, The torch has been passed. And so this is sampling that, which someone my age at the time would have m- probably known that song from... You know, I played a mode on StarCraft that was around the world that had Around the World by Daft Punk yeah. playing constantly. But, like, <laughs> I, I kind of just knew them from this video. And now here's here's Kanye coming out with a mainstream album, sampling them. And I was like, this is relevant, and I understand why, even as a sixth grader. Yeah, I think
2: that does speak to a, a lot to the, the impact of, like, the virality of mm-hmm. how that was happening because, you know, um, the fact that, like, we, I, I like. I'm in mean, that same boat where I wasn't really aware of Daft Punk mm-hmm. before this song, and like, I know that there are some people, definitely, probably people who will listen to this that'll be like, "That is absurd." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that Daft Punk was so relevant way before Kanye. We're specifically talking to you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, and and, but I think that like the you know, first mm-hmm. of all, I think that again, that's something about Kanye that he and the people around him we're able to identify that and He's be been like, on this tr- will be, this will be successful. And I think he picked, I think he learned a lot of that
0: from Jay-Z. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause
2: Jay-Z being
0: like the person who really commercialized hip hop. He's been on trend for better or worse. A lot of the time, like, I yeah. mean, after this, you see 808s and Heartbreak come out and it, it really hitting the, um, auto tune era in, in force yeah. in like a way that was exactly what everyone was doing then but not necessarily what a lot of people think Kanye should have been doing then like yeah. that wasn't really where he lived and he knew that that was the hot thing and it came out like it didn't come out late it wasn't like trend chasing it was no. right on the fucking trend but yeah. like not the best
2: no well cuz he like it became more important
0: for him mm-hmm. to be on trend than for him to make yeah. music that resonated with people exactly well, and like, you know, T-Pain was on, was on this album, and then you know, T-Pain sort of owned the identity of, like, I'm auto-tuned enough
1: that, like, I that's what I sound like, and right, that's well, what the, I'm doing. The freaking, like, Lonely Island, like, well, I'm on a boat with T-Pain on it. Exactly. Every word that he says is he, auto-tuned. He well, kind of
0: so- owned the, 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 the very distorted auto-tune thing where, like, it's intentionally you can tell super plainly. It's yeah. not Cher pretending that it's not happening. Right. And then when one person owns that, you can't really get in that space again. Well, and that's the thing with T-Pain, too, is T-Pain's interesting as
2: well because he, he, to this day, I think, doesn't either, like, there's might be a small circle around him, but he makes people leave the studio when he programs his auto-tune. Like, he has, oh, and wow. that's why it sounds like T-Pain. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why T-Pain... It, and like, doesn't it, bother a lot of people in the same way that other people's autotune bothers people, because it sounds so uniquely T-Pain, and it huh, sounds like well, him all the time. And he can sing. Yeah, well, and that's, like, that helps. Like, and sure. he can <laughs> sing,
0: but from what I've heard, he is... His in, melodic sensibilities are a big plus. He intentionally sings bad before he tunes Like, he knows... Like, He's doing very intentional things to make it sound the way that it is. Whoa. He's not like singing, because what a lot, with the way that auto tune fails really hard, and it's a lot, but like, um, is when you're singing pretty close to the right thing, but not quite, and that's adjusted, mm-hmm. because then it sounds, um, you kind of hit this uncanny valley thing. If it sounds pretty close to what your voice would sound like, but not exactly right, and, and as I understand it, he, he, he's handling it as an instrument in a far different way, where like, he's not singing. A, that line in auto-tuning it, he's making some choices of how the auto is going to have to change what he's doing. Yeah,
2: because like when you're using auto-tune and it, the way that it, like, yeah, like you said, the way that it works is that you, it, it, it detects what note you're trying to hit because you put you you input the key that you're trying to singing and what I think T Pain does is I don't think he actually had to sing bad to make it work, but he just tuned it. You you can tune the the speed of you can change the speed of the um reaction to mm-hmm. the pitch that you're singing and you can change how hard it changes what you're doing right so he goes really hard on both of those mm-hmm. so no matter what he's singing because of the, all the imperfections in a human voice mm-hmm. it's going to convert it as close to a sine wave on that note that it thinks you're trying to be yeah because it's you know when you look at a analyzer for any person singing it's gonna have frequencies all over the analyzer oh, yeah and then for um for like a sine wave, like a just a note mm-hmm. that autotune wants thinks that you're saying, trying to sing, it's one frequency, right? So it's going to try to collapse all that into one frequency as much, and that's why it <coughs> sounds so inhuman.
0: Um, Did you know that T Pain's in the Inhumans, the new Marvel venture? Is he really? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> what? That no. would have made me. There's like very a few happy. people who would really like that. I would be into that. <laughs> Just thought that'd be funny if he was. Yeah, I don't think they're doing it in
2: humans. I that actually reminds me. I had a thought about um, graduation and kind of the and this album was kind of like the Marvel movie of music in okay in, go on in that era, especially where it's it's not quite like Fast and the Furious pop music, Michael Bay pop music, mm-hmm. where like that where I was making that analogy yeah. in my head. I see um, that okay, but it's like the it's movie. like it's definitely pop and like supposed to be popular and but it's also like got it's, this it's significant it's got a quality yeah. to it and it's really good at
0: what it's trying to be well you know it's the it's that concept is kind of the same thing for like um disney animated movies where there's yeah. all these kids movies and then there's like but there's the ones that that matter yeah and there's the and ones like that the are the like disney kids, movies. kids it's the marvel like uh, pop action movie where it's like it is an action movie most of these aren't going to matter after you watch it maybe when it's out. Yeah. Like Transformers 1, you're probably not going to be writing a blog about in 2018. Right. But like Like Iron Man,
1: when Iron Man comes out, like the first one that just like, oh, shit. Like these can be like superhero movies, but also they can be like, I don't know, intelligent and like Mm -hmm. clever and, you know, yeah. And I think there's an entire brand of hip hop especially that's
2: going for those sensibilities. Right. Like, um, I feel
1: like this album probably paved the way for a yeah, lot of upcoming people.
2: Kanye was a big part of that because yeah. being
0: popular and being relevant was such a huge priority for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he has that one song where most of it, it's it's just him telling the story of like meeting Jay-Z. And, oh, like, Last getting, Call? Yeah. yeah. And like, it's, is it a good song? I don't really think so, but it's really interesting because it's kind of just like him telling his story. My favorite, it's like a VH1 documentary, but <laughs> but he did the whole thing about himself, and he's still not yeah. like still. He was still young when he does it. I think my favorite thing
2: about that song is the part where he's talking about how he was in his mind. He's I'm sure he's telling a story of how he proved to Jay Z that he was a very good rapper <laughs> by by using the line mayonnaise colored bands. I got I push a miracle whip. Uh-huh. Right, which is like yeah, a yeah, yeah. Yeah, B because- minus line at best. But <laughs> he cites that then-
0: as the moment where like Jay-Z changes
2: his mind about but him. Jay-Z goes he also talks directly after that. He says that Jay-Z was like, hmm, okay. And then <laughs> and then was like not that impressed. Like he talks about how Jay-Z was not that impressed, and then he's still like talking about it in a way that he's like, but yeah, I knew that. I knew that he knew that I was I was a lyrical god at that point.
1: <laughs> it didn't matter if <laughs> Jay Z was impressed because, in my mind, Jay Z was impressed. My condiment references were we won him <laughs> over.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: Andrew, you got one more clip, and then uh... yeah,
0: I, yeah, I'm having a, a tough time deciding what the last um, clip should be because let's see, we aren't hmm. Uh, uh... I kind of don't feel like giving him another clip,
1: but we don't have to. Yeah,
0: we we can do the I mean, thing because I'm sure someone's like, "Where? I, maybe I lose that album." We should just play the other the other big fucking hit and play Homecoming Lights. Oh, I was gonna say Homecoming. We play Flashing Lights okay. around these parts. The Chris Martin gets some plays. I'm Let's listen to know. Flashing Lights.
1: Wait, Chris Martin's on that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So Chris, okay.
1: That's a Coldplay. Now I don't know yeah. what to do here. All right, now let's do Homecoming. Let's do Homecoming. Let's do definitely yeah, it's Homecoming. It's Chris
0: Martin of Coldplay. In case we got any uh,
1: Chicago, Chicago-based fans out there,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: really want this shout out. It's Very Chicago. <laughs> All my
0: friends at Western when I started who were from Chicago, even even in 2011, that was like their favorite song. Because yeah, because it was to, just like the most Chicago. it could
2: be. I went to school in Illinois, and like it was like solidly people that have never ever lived in Chicago. So passionate about that song. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, here's a little bit of homecoming featuring Chris Martin. This is for you, Bean Town. <laughs> wait, wait, that's not what. And that's the end of talking about Kanye. Well, I think. okay,
1: Andrew, hold on. You gotta, oh, okay. you gotta give us an arbitrary rating that means nothing at all. You got anything? Um, we've been we've been lacking on this department on the show. We're, we're not we're not creative with our arbitrary ratings because they don't matter for one. But. So
2: this is like if I could jump in on a on a rating, yeah. Um, so this is like my rating would be Frieza's second form.
1: <laughs> <laughs> second,
0: okay, so first form is like <laughs> like in, is, in in like the half egg like kind of um doctor. Doctor Robotnik kind of deal. <laughs> and then second form. But big. Big but kinda of bulky, right? Yeah. So like
2: yeah, the first one is where he's like small but super powerful. And then the second one he's like huge and like like rough around the edge. But uh-huh. like but like real big and you think that's, like, you cooler. Think that's as big as as powerful as he can get. And then Frieza gets small again. And then Frieza gets like small smaller. but much more
0: potent and yeah.
2: dangerous. Mm.
0: <laughs> Okay, so you're saying that
1: Actually Andrew, I don't care what your arbitrary rating is anymore because I don't think it's gonna get better than that.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say flashing lights out of all of the lights. Because I feel <laughs> like that's a good one. I like that. I feel like that one <laughs> plays, but Yeah um, Yeah, let's let's keep this on let's keep this rolling on. Um Nick, I think you're next, because you and I are always first and second.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> You're, because we're old and new, and you're yeah, new. No, uh, yeah. Oh,
0: you got a new album for new us neck.
1: today. The, this is the the freshest thing in 2019. <sighs> is, is it the second freshest thing in 2019? What's the freshest thing? Weezer the teal album. Oh yeah. Honestly, we probably could have talked about that instead of. Oh, well, we're gonna because... talk about it over a beer later. Okay, because because honestly, Did you listen to any of that? No. So, <laughs> I'll I'll save it. Okay. Say it. it So the album that I guess that I'm going to be talking about today is the newest album from Guster. So you're kind of walking in my
0: territory of reviewing a band that you normally likes newest thing. Yeah. How
1: did it make you feel? So I have never really listened to Guster before, although I, I did YouTube Guster and I listened to the first thing that showed up, which is Satellite. Mm -hmm. which I have heard that song. I just didn't know it was Guster. Mm -hmm. Do you want to know how I know who Guster is? Yes, I think I would like to know. Uh, I bought uh, a copy of John Mayer's live album, Any Given Thursday, and looking in the booklet, there was a photo of a ticket stub, and it said that Guster was opening for John Mayer, and that is the birth and the death of my knowledge about Guster going into this. Oh, Um, God, okay. So. So that's that's how I knew about them. Uh, and then I, I saw... Uh, oh, they went to Tufts. So I saw that this was, like, a new album in 2019, and I was like, I've heard of Guster. They're probably not that bad. Uh, I'll give this a listen. And I got to say, I was pretty underwhelmed with it. Uh, I don't know, maybe you liked it. I, I really I don't. It seems like this is, like, any time an artist from a certain time period, like, I guess they got their start in the early 2000s, makes stuff, like, almost two decades into their career, it ends up just not being very good. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know if it's... They, they've they they've tried all their ideas. Also, I feel like if you're a rock band, like, post-Trump, your music is just bad now. Because I feel like everyone's got their lukewarm political take. Oh, we're doing another one of these. We're doing, that's, that's, we're doing Lenny Kravitz again. I guess, I don't... I, it wasn't overtly political, but it, it kind of... It seemed like I was getting some uh, Portugal The Man vibes on some of the songs. Mm, gotcha. From that one, what was it? Uh, Everything that now- was that, am I conflating all these bands?
0: Everything Now is Arcade Fire, um, which was super overtly like, oh, content, you gotta get the
1: content, yeah. you need all the content. I don't know. There- Portugal The Man is just half-baked pop. Yeah, I was getting some. I was getting some of those vibes. I don't. I don't. I haven't really read any interviews from the Guster people where they're like, "Yeah, we think this is what it's like living." I think up. they go by the Gustermans. The Gustermans. They're not Guster people. They're the Gustermans. That's fair. The neighbors that moved in. The Gustermans. Mm-hmm. It's in their writer. <laughs> also, they they absolutely do that thing where, hey, why you remember the eighties? Remember it? We're gonna do that now because like. Early Guster, from what, from what I gather, like, if they're opening up for, like, John Mayer in, like, 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's, like, some indie acoustic pop. I mean, they, yeah, they, they got their roots in Boston. Like, yeah. the Boston Boston alt-rock is, like, a pretty good place to be. Yeah, yeah this is, like, really, really, really synth-heavy and, like, trying to go for that, like, Phil Collinsy vibe. And it was yeah. just, I don't know, I I don't know if I'm just... Fatigued from all of the bands trying to do this, I don't like really Talking think... Heads, synthy like eighties pop shit. But it's just like Guster. I feel like you missed. This is specifically it.
0: why I want to talk about the Weezer album later. Is because the eighties have been in, and I kind of think that like that ship, the ship is sailed. Like the hey, do you remember the eighties ship has sailed? Because you have like Paramore doing that three and a half years ago. Like and that it's, was that was pretty good. Yeah, and I but like that's that's not someone that I'm gonna like put my money on like leading a trend. And they didn't really lead it, but it was just like if you're three and a half years behind that, like you're probably what too else you late. Have to say yeah, like you've probably missed it. That was you know Muse this year, uh, last year now 2018, doing that same idea, trying to hit like. Not quite Talking Heads, but almost like it's um, like anthem rock, but it was Max, still like
1: super synthy
0: Yeah, and, and everything's supposed to look and feel like Max Headroom, and like it's all very eighties. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's on MTV, and like, oh, we're a little past it. You don't need to find the sound from the eighties that we haven't revived because there's a reason that we haven't revived it yet. Yeah, I think at this point,
2: I don't know. I'm kind of I'm always underwhelmed when it's going for a specific era, Mm -hmm. right? Because we have this, like, conglomeration of knowledge about all these things that have been Mm -hmm. done before, and it's cool when people mix them, and it's cool when people pick the stuff out of eras that is, Mm -hmm. like, you know, holds up and is good and stuff, and there's certainly stuff from the 80s that's, like, definitely holds up. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, our
1: last episode, we talked about a guy named Donnie Benet. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. mm Mm-mm. But he does like like this like really, really aesthetic like eighties style. Mm-hmm. But it's done it's it's not done to like push records. It's done like very lovingly. Yeah. Yeah, he does it out of passion for what the sound could be. Yeah. And it's quite
0: good. And it's
2: so cool. Well that automatically raises the floor mm-hmm. for whatever you're doing. Right. And, and
0: it turns out that if you're, you know, ooh, this album's influenced by the 80s really hard, because that's kind of what's back in is that sound. And it's high production value from a big studio by a big name. Oh, you might make a lot of the mistakes that, like, the stuff that no one remembers from the 80s. Yeah. Like, the things that nobody cared about were those same things. Right. Like, you you, you don't get to be people like the 80s. It was brave new ideas. And it's like, yeah, it was brave new ideas in every generation. That's why there's any important music
2: ever. Yeah, that's what generations are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think, I think I'm probably only going to do two clips because there's one song that I think uh, that, that, yeah, no free advertising, Guster. It was one song that I was like, oh, (laughs) they're doing the eighties synth thing. And then there was like another song that was really, really, really strange, like felt off. Yes. So uh, yes. the that. first clip I'm going to play it's is from Binaural uh, Beats, the Lavender <laughs> <laughs> the Town theme. <laughs> oh my God! If they had done that, it probably would have been a lot better. <laughs> Here's uh, This is "Don't Go" from "Look Alive" by Guster. That's not your mom's Guster <laughs> that you remember from the yesteryears. Not your mom's Guster's trademark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite novelty alcoholic beverage. Satellite flavored hard.
0: Yeah, I don't.
1: I don't really feel anything. I don't know during. uh, (laughs) That was just a general (laughs) statement. I
0: don't really feel anything. So it's hard for
1: me to gauge how I feel about this
0: record. (laughs) Also, I don't like this album. (laughs) Uh,
1: I completely lost my train of thought there. It's okay we did go off the rails. No, no, I, okay, I remember what you were going what I was going to say. This is something that actually Andrew said while we were off mic, but you mentioned uh that it was like the perfect culmination of trying to do this 80s sound and then but you can't get rid of like oh, the yeah. pop punk vocal yeah, style. Yeah.
0: So here's a way to style it. You imagine it's like, you know, you're going to use influences from the 80s, but you're going to stay true to who you are. And that's how I imagine that they imagine this. But then what it sounds like is it's like we're going to do something that's hot right now, and also, I'm too afraid to have my fucking vocal effects sound any different than they currently sound.
2: But. Well, To me, what it sounded like was a, a record where they were writing in the studio, so they were paying for all the time that they were writing, and or somebody was, um, yeah. and they got to the end of it, and they definitely did not have enough money to start over, <laughs> 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 because... I just, like, imagine being in the studio and, like, listening to the, the finished mix of this, that song that we just heard and being, like, like, I the visuals I was getting was, like, this is, this would be at home in the, like, as the, like, climactic music behind the climactic scene in a... Like coming of age movie.
0: Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say this sounds like if this had existed um, fifteen years ago, that like one of these songs would have been in Garden State. Yeah. <laughs> like one of these songs would have been, a, or like I a movie. Find out if any Guster actually was in Garden State. It's like, right like a movie called
1: Children. Oh my God. That's pretty good. Um, the other, I guess, other notable song was the the fourth track, "Hello, Mister Sun." It was really strange, and I don't know if it's, like... <laughs> he, the sun came, and you have to, like, greet him now. I yes. think... Hello, I I Mr. Sun. Through, through some sort of weird, like, word association, I think I, I got, like, Mr. Blue Sky stuck in my head. No, that's, that's exactly what I thought when you said it, too. Yeah. Um, I went straight to the Beatles. And well, uh, here a, comes a lot of people, a lot of thing, a lot of people th- that were on LimeWire... They Lime tried Wire. to
0: make a sequel. They tried to make a sequel. Yeah, to was, here comes, he's there. Here comes the sun. Hello, Mr. Sun.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going, like... Black Hole Sun. Well, a lot of people think that ELO sounds like the Beatles. Like, you you will play people like Mr. Blue Sky, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I love the Beatles. Like, I'm not even, like... If you well, if you were to get on LimeWire this- right now and search for Mr. Blue Sky, <laughs> <laughs> I think I set Andrew's phone off. I can't off. get out. Uh, people, would, people will attribute Mr. Blue Sky to the Beatles for some reason.
0: Yeah. I think... I could see that, though. V- I could see hearing things that sounded like the Beatles in in ELO, but a lot of it's because the Beatles just did a whole, like just did so much and like just some of it that then a bunch of people sound like certain eras of the Beatles and then do it way better.
2: Well, yeah, well, so that's that was my my, my take was that <laughs> I think people are very used to hearing like the, the, the versions of songs that they like are Beatles songs done by other people.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <pretty laughs> like I
2: think people are very used to like Beatles songs being Absolutely. done better by like somebody like ELO or something where it's like, yeah. yeah, this was probably written by like, you know, John Lennon or whatever, but then ELO did it and made it good. Yeah, <laughs>
1: so, like, I could I could have played it well. Circling all the way back to the Seinfeld is not funny trope.
0: Yeah, it's it's exactly like that. It's it's a thing that for whatever reason, you know, it, the easiest way I can describe it's through TV and movies. Um it's it's Hitchcock, it's Seinfeld. Yeah. It's like um if you're bold and new and visionary and hit a wide swath instead of staying in one right. lane, um, anything you did that's new, someone's going to learn from and do better. And so right. with, well, with time, that's not good anymore because somebody like found nuances in it that you never would have. Because what the Beatles did was like they figured out the formula to write a good pop song. And then they did some woo. variation on that across a lot of different kind of sounds and so then you could take some of what they did yeah and refine it
2: oh yeah well and like the thing with the beatles is like none of them were particularly good at playing their instruments like they were all very competent
0: at that and then they were all and then like yeah, as I a group mean, they Har- wrote really good songs I mean, harrison was probably the best yeah, instrumentalist sure. of all of them yeah. by like a lot and at the same time He's the third Beatle you would name from, like, influential to less influential.
2: <laughs> right. And it's like... And so, like, when you have bands that, like, are like, this is a good song, but we have people who are, like, very good at these instruments. Yeah. Like, it, it makes sense that mm-hmm. those with, like, you know... I, I have had to refine my position you, so that it doesn't sound like I'm hating on the Beatles a lot because I'm not. It's I'm fine. Just, it's, no, I'm just
0: commenting that, like... It's fair. I mean, they're the, not you, great at that. Well, you playing. get, like, Hendrix covers a Beatles song and it's it's way better than the Beatles yeah. probably could have played that song. <laughs> you get... um. A random YouTuber yeah. playing Aerosmith a covering
2: the Beatles, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: and it's like, you know, still not great, but like, uh huh, I like that version better. Or like the the while my guitar gently weeps with like Prince. Oh yeah, Or yeah, yeah. Or exactly. like Eric Clapton, exactly. Eric Clapton playing that song, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, so Guster. Yeah, let's let's just let's take it out back. <laughs>
0: Here's what we have to say about Guster. Do yeah. you remember well, the Beatles. <laughs> Yeah. Way better than Guster. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's start there. Yeah. Here's
1: I'm just gonna say here's Hello Mr. Sun. This song song is like weird. Like I think they were trying to go for that old sound, too. Like they were trying to go for like that weird kind of not not like carnival y, but it's like it's kinda got that like that vibe to it where it's just like light and bouncy and like i think i even thought of mr blue sky as i was listening to it like before i even knew the name of the song i can't wait till we play mr blue sky off the teal album later <laughs> was that on it yeah oh shit oh, okay well what are we what I are we doing now
0: well do you know what we gotta we gotta we gotta talk to jeff
1: <laughs> and then we can listen to it all right here's uh hello mr sun the sequel to here comes the sun <laughs> By Guster. It's the prequel to Black Hole Sun. It gets dark
0: <laughs> later on. Welcome back from that break. Um, <laughs> 30 Seconds for You was a miniature we, eternity for us. Nick. Yeah, sorry. Nick, We ne- you never uh, <laughs> gave us uh, an arbitrary number scale rating of the new Goos- Go- Gooster album.
1: Yeah. Well, Gooster. So we just listened to Hello, Mr. Sun. It's like this weird, we didn't have like a 10 minute conversation <laughs> it's about been like 20 minutes since we, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. Great There's... new
0: bonus content. Support us on Patreon <laughs> when that exists because it doesn't yet, but in the future it
1: will. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't really have a lot of thoughts about this album. It's just, I don't know. A lot of new music, I guess, especially from this this style of just like artists from the early two thousands that don't really—they're bored. I think they're bored. I think that's what it is. They just don't know what to do anymore, and they're like, "Well, we ha- we need an excuse to go tour." But it's like you can just tour on your old stuff, and like your audience will probably be happy. I, you know what, you know what, I wanna—I don't want to defend it, but
0: I don't think it's that they're bored. I think it's that whoever is is influencing them about what the people want has a very, like, uh, millennials are bored with what they have kind of view. And so the idea there is it's, like, you have to do something. Like, now that everything is a reference, you have to do a reference. And it's, like, no, no, we've been freed of that. Like, you don't need to be referencing something. We're, we're, We're beyond that. We've already reached the critical point where everybody knows everything. Right. Not literally, but, like, information flows so fast now that, like, wow it would when family guy started it was cool that they did references because no one else was doing that and it was like oh it's star wars no one else like does star wars on their tv show yeah um but now that everything is capable of doing that and we can all watch any show we want to if we have the money like we can now find anything if you have the money and the time yeah right um But I still think that that's where fucking studio execs probably are at because that's probably the view that they have of the people they're selling to. Yeah, and then that results in this. Like, hey, I bet people would like if you sounded like ELO and the Beatles mashed up. Yeah, I mean, they just it, it sounds pretty
2: plainly to me like they got either by themselves or by other people influenced into like trying to music that they weren't very good at writing.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, there's an off shot here. Hey, Gusters, if you're, if Gusterman, if you're, if you're listening, um, if that was a passion project, I respect the fuck out of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But hey, also, maybe if you're bored and you're like, oh, I don't know, throw the synthesizer at it. Like, yeah, you know, good yeah. for you.
0: But I just didn't. Also.
1: Yeah. And I thought maybe going into it, having never really listened to Guster <laughs> before would like give me a fresh perspective. Because I think sometimes, like, when you grow up listening to a certain thing and you expect an artist to be a certain way, Mm -hmm. and then, like, their new material starts coming out, and you're like, well, this sucks. Well, this sucks. Like, I wish they would go back to, like, you know, when they made music when I was relevant in pop culture and not a 27 year old dude that's not being actively branded to anymore. But anyway, I not like it. Anyway, so, what do you rank it? I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> Out of 10. I don't, I don't give a shit out of 10. I don't give a shit out of all of the shits. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm ambivalent out of 10. I'm just, I don't, yeah, I don't feel. Welcome to 2019, I don't feel anything. <laughs> all right, well,
0: that brings us to the third segment of the show, which is something borrowed. Um, as previously discussed, we've got um, we've got Jeff here. Hey. Um and this is gonna be fun. So what did you bring us today, Joe? Uh
2: I brought you an album that is relatively new. Um not from twenty nineteen, but from December of twenty eighteen. Oh, that's an old album, of course. Um <laughs> and it's it's called Misfit. It's that's by an artist new. it's by an artist that I really, really enjoy and respect named Najee. Um I think it's really great. It's actually it's interesting. He came out with two EPs in twenty eighteen. Um, they were called Act One and Act Two, mm-hmm. and they um, Misfit is actually Act One, Act Two, and Act Three compiled together. So there's only there's only about okay. four new songs.
0: Are those on, separated by the intermissions?
2: They yeah, are. Yeah. Okay. Um, on that record. Yeah. Um, and Act One is. Mostly about, um, like, battling feelings of, like, love and lust and how they're different and how they present themselves differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And Act 2, which I think was really cool because he did the uh, It's All With um, featuring Sarah Diamond, Mm -hmm. um, is just about relationship issues. Um, And then Act 3 is kind of a conclusion, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but, um, I just like a lot of things about Najee and I think he's a, he's a really interesting person to talk about. And, um, so I think the first clip we should do from this one is probably, um, blood, sex and magic.
1: Okay. Sure. Um, and give our audience, I guess, a taste of, uh, yeah,
2: this will be on. one, one side of him. Cool. All right. Yeah.
1: Here is blood, sex and magic from Najee. I think I've come to a conclusion in that I think this is the f- future of music. I'm not trying to be like super hyperbolic or anything, but it's, it, I think like R and B and hip hop and rap is like the future cause I, I, I've, I, I, am so bored with like rock music now. I don't know. It's like really, really formulaic. And I'm sure there's like elements of this in like modern hip hop too, but I feel like this is the direction that things are going in, and this is like what's keeping things interesting.
0: Yeah, I liked how I. This is not intending to be reductionary. This is very serious. I liked the evocation of the we music from this specific this song specifically. Mm-hmm. I think it was where it kind of felt like the 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 me the me verse theme song <laughs> for a second at yeah. first. And if you tell me that's not intentional, I'll tell you uh you're wrong um, <laughs> because it, it totally fucking is and i was like it's weirdly accessible from so many directions yeah. that i was like oh holy shit
2: like it's like that's the thing about naji to me is so first of all he he's like a microcosm of how technology has allowed like a single creative person to do really
0: impressive mm-hmm. shit when well, we've been talking about that since the first time we recorded the podcast with Brian Spencer was, like, you can actually, if you have the drive and the ability, you can make your own fucking album in your living room. Yeah. You can get the stuff for the first time ever. You can buy the things, make it sound good, and make it happen if you yeah. know what you're doing.
1: That's and how fir- we're doing this right now, honestly. Like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. forever, that was not how it worked. Right. You had to get studio
0: time. You had to. And a lot of his ideas and the way he's, it's, like,
2: very apparent that he's able to just, like, be by himself and come up with these ideas and then immediately try them out. Mm -hmm. Um, And like this, this song, that song, blood, sex and magic um, is one of like three songs that he didn't have a part in producing on the record. Everything (laughs) else, he was either the sole producer, um, like all of act two, he was the sole producer of. And um, some of the other songs, the rest of the songs, he was the the co-producer. And one of the things that I love about Najee vocally is that when he's not the producer on a rec- on a song he f- he makes it his own by filling it out with um vocals in like very rhythmically and like there's a lot of background vocals and mm. layers of vocals that are that sound like part of the beat um, okay that he's able to do um and he does that all the time and he and one thing that i was actually listening back through this record today um and one thing that I realized is like, and I was looking at all the producer credits just to yeah. make sure that um, who, who produced what. And, but like when it's something that he produced, he does less of that, huh. uh, which I think speaks to his, That's interesting his like musical vision and, mm-hmm. and, and what he's hearing and how, when he's able to make the beat, when he makes the beat, He's able to put it all in the beat mm-hmm. and then when he receives a beat that he likes from somebody else, he still he puts it with his vocals he uses his vocals to um to really get get that vision into the music mm-hmm. um and 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 it really works because he, it ends up blending the beat and the vocals together, which is sometimes hard when the vocalist yeah and the producer are separate people and that's something that's really interesting about him on that um, Oh, yeah. I think I have a lot of... I mean, I like this record so much, like, I'd love to do it, just listen to all of it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we could do a couple uh, a t- a couple more snippets. Like, I think... Um,
1: well, since it's, it's like act one, two, and three, yeah. it's almost perfect to just three clips, you know, yeah. one from each act, if that's... so, Although
0: maybe we should do four, because I do think playing uh, at least a chunk of one of the intermissions, probably okay. intermission yeah. one, would be pretty cool. Yeah. Because it's like... Um, yeah, it's, it's done, it's done very well in the way that a lot of the like skit in the middle of a rap album can be kind of corny or it can feel super, super overt. Yeah. Like it can feel like I'm, this is very like, uh, like on the nose about what's going on here. I think that it's done very well to make those transitions. Yeah. Um, so uh, we can do whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean,
2: we can go, we can do the intermission
0: one.
1: Okay. Sure. Yeah. Here's intermission one featuring Danny Dwyer from, uh, Misfit by Najee. So that's actually
2: pretty fourth wall because Thousand mm-hmm. Story is his company. Yeah. Um, and it's, and the whole like never move and, and we're here for you. And like these things, like, don't, you don't have to do anything where it's like, Thousand story. Where, like part of it is that, um, it's like a production company based on like the idea of like people coming to him and he gets their stuff made and and released and like launched and and their projects launched and stuff, which I think is really funny that he like kind of just makes fun of his own thing in the the intermission. (laughs)
0: Well, and that's what I really liked about it is it's, it's like, it's, it's right in this really tight nebulous area of like, is this being on the nose about a social criticism? Yeah. Um, and for me personally, it falls right on the other side of like, like, no. Yeah. I think it's being really sharp. Yeah. But like, it's just, it's right in this, like, is, is this cliched? And then when it's all over, you're like, I don't think it was. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't think it was. Yeah. well there's I more
2: to it. There's a lot of that with him. And I think he's part of the reason, I think he's really smart in, in its lyric, you can see it in his lyrics too. Like, even in that, in that Blood, Sex and Magic song where he, you know, there's, it gets, um, he he gets to that cusp of being like, not cliche, but um, doing some rap things that are like some rap lines that are like pretty like standard rap mm-hmm. lines, you know. And when he like uses the word bitch and things like that, where it's it's, you know, but he always stays on the 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 smart side of it and yeah. the and the like yeah the side of it that is purposeful and not just in and, and and not Ooh,
0: and that's a thing that. This is going to be a slight aside, everybody. Yeah. Hey, buckle in. That's a thing that a lot of people who aren't capable of doing right now are going to tell you in the media <gasps> is impossible to do. Yeah. It's like, how can I be edgy without being? I don't want to blow. You know. How can I be edgy without offending a group of people? And it's like, it's it, it is literally possible. You could totally do it. And anyone who tells you that, like well, I can't make my art anymore because it's it's too hard not to offend people, just isn't that good at it in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Like, people absolutely can ride that line. And the, the reason that always was something maybe to be revered was because people could do that without crossing the line. Right. Or you can find the line without crossing it. It's totally possible. Yeah. Um, but the issue is that most people are, like, 10 yards south of the line. I don't
1: know. That makes me think of, like, Tyler the Creator's career. Because, like, a lot of that stuff is, like, pretty edgy, I guess. you could. Like, Goblin is, like, a very, very edgy album. But, I mean, he still has a career and still has a pretty dedicated audience Mm -hmm. of people who, I think, listen to it and it's like they get it, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like, I mean, obviously, if it wasn't good, if it wasn't able to do it, it wouldn't be hugely popular. Well, yeah, and I think Tyler Creator, I think specifically –
2: did benefit from his audience growing up with him. Yeah. Because he's the same age as his audience and has been for, like, eight years.
0: Well, and that's a huge thing is the the ability to grow up is kind – of like, I'm not saying it's, ne- it's necessary, but I do think he benefited from that yeah. because there are a lot of people who, like, have older views than, older <laughs> – and, yes, I am saying older meaning bad right now. Older views than their audience. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't play, yeah. and it's not unfair to you that it doesn't play. I'm sorry that that's where you're at, but like you know the the future we the future is always progressing from the past, and yeah. yeah, if you happen to to have some mistakes when you're young, but young people listen to you, and then this yeah, if they're you're the same age, I think a lot of us that that really grew up over the last ten years, like yeah, yeah. I get how it was different then. Yeah, I, pl- I played Xbox Live. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah, fucking woof. Um, All right. Yeah, so, cool.
1: I think Intermission, we got an Act 2 song coming up. Yeah, um, let's do Lessons. Okay. Here's Lessons from uh, Misfit with uh, Najee and Sarah Diamond.
2: So, um, with that song, and I think a lot of his songs, too, like, um, again, if we had five hours we could just go through we could go through the whole thing and um the next limited limited series podcast from our production series um (laughs) well the next one is
0: going in (laughs) but yeah (laughs) Yeah. jeff goes in (laughs) a limited series podcast about this album yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: um but so like again what i was talking about with his vocals like um there's a in even in the intro of that there's the the like static sound in the back, and there's like a some clicking.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a like a cassette deck or like a, a tape being like put in. Yeah, um, and that's the
2: kind of stuff he would have done with his voice if he didn't hear it, on a
0: Oh, other okay, track. okay. Because so, you said that this, so this is Act Two, and this is him yeah, sole producing so that's the whole him. way through. Yeah,
2: he produced that, um, and and you end up, and and then. So he does that a lot with a lot of a lot of songs it's very like rhythmic like not melodic vocal stuff mm-hmm. like clicks and breaths and things that are like really interesting and cool um that he just like weaves into the beat mm-hmm. um and then you also would he and like later in this um uh in this song he there's some things that like in the beat, and in the keys and and pads and stuff that um, he would have done with his voice, gotcha. if it wasn't there um, on a, somebody else's track, mm-hmm. which is I just love so much and it's super interesting um, because it's it no matter who produces for him it always sounds like him, hmm. which is why I was I was convinced for a while that he did all of his own production all the time like all mm-hmm. of it um, because he may,
0: he makes it happen yeah that way. and it's and if it's, it's not there he's gonna do it with vocals yeah
2: um and it's and it's wild um also i just love the way that he and um sarah diamond work together mm-hmm. on on act two i think they're um i think they had a really clear idea of what they were doing um together like what they were trying to make nice. as like a team and i think mm-hmm. that's i like i really love when that happens
0: hell yeah what should we listen to for Act three before we Ooh. make you uh give this an arbitrary number
2: rating um
1: i think blow all right the final clip from uh, misfit by naji here is blow um yeah that song
2: i don't know there's like he at like just the way he comes in with the lyrics where it's this triplet motion that he he uses and the way that the beat is like just like so close to being a trap beat but it's so understated
1: yeah um what were you oh i was just gonna say like I know we were talking about like artists growing up with their audience and like, this is like, it kind of has that. I don't know. We, a couple episodes ago we talked about like, like lo-fi chill beats to mm-hmm. like study to, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. but it has a very like modern, like this was made by someone who grew up with the internet. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Andrew mentioned like the, the, the Wii menu music sounding. Stuff. I just, I,
0: I think there's no way that even if it's an unconscious influence I just refuse to believe <laughs> that 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 music was made by someone who had never heard that before. Right. And I get that convergent thought happens; yeah. it totally does. But I heard that, and I was like, "This sounds very familiar." To me. Yeah, L- like I I think that someone heard the way that the like the synth tone played from that, and it's not exactly the yeah. same. But I think it was definitely influenced yeah. by it. I just I just can't believe that it wasn't
2: for sure. I think. Yeah, he, it's just like, he's so good at um. just taking, you know, and this kind of goes back to the Guster thing we were talking about, where he's actually, he's very good at doing what they're trying to do, which <laughs> is, like, take things that they would like, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. if that was a passion project for them, like, they're trying to take things that they would like mm-hmm. from those eras, and he, so he's taking, you know, he's borrowing from Trap on that, on, on Blow, that song that mm-hmm. we just listened to, um with the with the flow of his lyrics in the beginning and also just the 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 way that the kick and the snare um mm-hmm. are are hitting and and just the overall feel and he's taking exactly how much he wants mm-hmm. from it and yeah. nothing more.
0: And it's it, like the difference between um it's a kind of thing that that's un unatt- like in normally it's kind of weird because it's like I'm taking this new color and I'm going to paint with it. Right. And it's the difference between like knowing what to dilute it to and and, and brush with it instead of just like, it's this color and I'm using it. And so things like the Guster album are like, I like green. I'm going to use green. And it's just fucking like what, you know, 155 155 whatever the fucking uh uh RGB designation for green is like yeah. I'm using that instead of like I'm going to let this overtone influence how I do this whole oh, thing. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, and it's like that yeah, exactly that it's it's really understanding what you're what you mm-hmm. like about the thing that you're what yeah. what you're trying to um what you're trying to pull. Like yeah. you have like you know, you don't like green you like the way that green like makes you feel or hits your Mm -hmm. eyes or like the way it contrasted to the other parts of the thing that you're looking at and like you know so he likes you know in this song he likes the way that the triplets feel over this Mm -hmm. slow but um punchy drums right but then he likes to understate both of them because that's his vibe right he's got a very bedroom vibe Mm -hmm. and so like he likes to you know, on that and especially with contrast to the, some other songs on the record, which are much more powerful and mm-hmm. um and and large. Yeah. <laughs> he he like likes to just like he's kind of it's nearing the end of the album and he's just gonna understate it, mm-hmm. but it's gonna feel really nice and it's just gonna feel um yeah, just pleasant but also very
0: emotive of of, mm-hmm. of the things that he's looking for. So now that we've established that this is art, um how would you how would you rate this on some sort of arbitrary number scale? Um I,
2: I would rate this record as um hope out of out of uh, out of nice. All right, because it's just it's very nice to listen to and it it gives me hope as a as as a person doing a lot of the things that naji is doing other than the singing very well and um but also the fact that like there's people like this all over the place and all they need is to put out a record in a way that i can hear it and like he's not the only one and that i think is very cool
1: we got real esoteric there it was great that was good it was really good so now
0: we've reached the last segment of the show, something brewed, which is also going to be accompanied with a bit of an album this week. Because, well, we'll get there. Um, so the beer we're drinking today is the Larry's latest flamingo fruit fight.
1: This actually this relates to music as well, uh, because Does it? No. Uh, the flamingo fruit fight is uh, is a reference. I, I need to look it up because I don't want to get it wrong. Well, then I'll talk about the beer
0: for a Yeah, years. go for it. So it's a, it's a, as it's branded, a tart fruit ale with passion fruit and lime, brewed and bottled by Bell's Brewery in Comstock, Michigan. Wow, they, they've been on the show a couple of times. Wow, Bell's has really been on the show a couple of times because sometimes I don't have time to go to a different store. <laughs> sometimes I got to keep it close to home. I got um, the answer. Go for it.
1: It is a Captain Beefheart song called Tropical Hot Dog Night. Oh yeah? Yeah. So Tropical it- Hot Dog Night Like Two Flamingos in a Fruit Fight is like the opening line to this song. Huh. So that was a very Rick Ross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I talked to oh. <laughs> I talked
1: to one of the graphic designers at Bell's who uh who uh he was telling me the story about how this beer came to be and uh yeah, I don't know how much of that I can actually say on this podcast. I don't know, that, that feels weird. When did you meet someone from Wix at Bells? Uh, in my many travels. I, uh...
0: Oh, that's right. You hosted the Bells podcast. So oh, so yeah, the here, Shifty, it? the
1: Bells podcast that I also hosted. Uh, yeah, no, he, apparently Larry just walked into the room and said, Flamingo fruit fight. And the graphic designers were like, okay. <laughs> they basically had to try to figure it out from there. What do you guys think about this beer? I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, the very first time that I ever had it, actually I have a very distinct memory of the first time I had this beer. And it was the day after that uh, we moved from our house in the Vine in Kalamazoo. Oh, yeah, when they were running the like the practice version yeah. for this. So, was. yeah, at the time it was like, what, Larry's Latest Fruit Ale, I think mm-hmm. it was called. Mm-hmm. So uh, back in July... Basically, over the course of twelve hours, we moved everything in our apartment to this house, and it was exhausting, and it was very tiring, and like my body hurt very bad. And then the next morning, uh, as a as a Bell's intern, when I was making the Bell's podcast, uh, all the interns had to do a volunteer day, and so we decided, yep, this day we're gonna go and we're gonna volunteer at uh, Habitat for Humanity. So the day after I moved. Uh, for 12 hours, I got up at like 7 in the morning and then shoveled dirt and sand for another 8 hours. And then afterwards, I went down to the pub and had a Larry's Latest Fruit Ale, and it was the most refreshing thing that I had ever had in my entire life. And then I think I went home and slept for like 13 hours. Nice. But it was it was absolutely like the thing that I needed. Well. Which is weird that it's released in winter, because I feel like this would be a really, really great summer beer.
0: It's a spring seasonal. Spring seasonal. Yeah, that's fair. Bell, so I'll save this for another podcast, but seasonal beers in the brewing industry have this issue because, so when you call something a seasonal, it's supposed to be available literally the entire time that its season is. Um, It's not supposed to disappear for a while at the end. You know, they're supposed to go back to back to back. And then that creates an issue in the industry where if something's not in high demand, then you overproduce and you end up losing money on it. And so that's why seasonals aren't in. In most large breweries, the shelf life on a type of seasonal like is three years. So every three years, you have to change something to keep it fresh. Um, Bells, this is the second year in a row it's been a different one because they kind of identified that with Oberon as this ubiquitous summer beer, it's going to get six months and the spring seasonal launches in January, <laughs> so it is not spring yet, and it will not even be spring when the summer beer comes out. Yeah, so it's like these like teases of this would
1: be a spring seasonal if we could have a spring season. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, though, I mean it's it it, it, it it's kind of so it's very limey. T- it makes me think of uh, what was it last year? It was like Larry's latest sour. Yeah, in the same sense that like. I smell this beer, and it smells like socks. But it I does. T- it smells like feet. But then I taste it, and it's really good. It's so weird. You know what makes
0: like a lot of these kettle sours sour is either *Pediococcus*, like layers later sour, or *Lactobacillus*, and *Pediococcus* is literally the same fungus that does make your socks smell bad. <laughs> It sounds weird to say, and, and, and Lactobacillus is, is, is a gut bacteria, Acetobacter and Endobacter. All these things that make sour beers sour are things that in your day-to-day life would would be gross. That you actively avoid. <laughs> yeah. And here we are sucking them down. Well, yeah. if you can do it right, you can do it right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Weezer Teal yeah. Album. Weezer's Teal album came out a couple days ago. Like literally like two or three or four days ago now. I can't remember. (laughs) What else are we going to get on the color wheel from Weezer? All of them. And you know what sucks? Ask uh, your Google Home Assistant. I didn't say the name because I didn't want to. If you're listening to this speaker, I don't want to fuck you up. But you can't get. Alexis to play uh, the fucking Weezer album you want to, unless it's Ratitude or Pinkerton, um, because they all have the same name and it's Weezer. Because they're not named the White Album, they're not named. They're all just uh, the named. Album. They're not named the Blue Album. They're not named the Red Album or the Green Album. They're just when something is self-titled, it's called that. <laughs> so she can play Weezer, which is the Blue Album. She can play Pinkerton, she can play Ratitude, and there's probably one or two other. Was I'm that the
1: one it. with Lost? And Hurley? That was a thing, wasn't it? Pro- probably. The cover was Hurley from Lost. <laughs> I am not I I am not making this I up. I forgot about that. <laughs> they made an album and the album cover was Hurley from Lost.
0: Well I want to say that would be Ratitude based on Era, but I feel like Ratitude is a picture of a dog trying to eat something. No, no, it's called Hurley. Oh yeah, you could get Hurley by Weezer, but (laughs) if it's any of the albums that are are (laughs) self-titled, you can't get her to play it because that's not what they're called. So he hadn't hadn't been lost yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's a cover album. Um, Clearly, you know, as the result of this uh, Africa cover that they did being huge, which also, that wasn't like their choice. Enough people, like, because Africa is a meme chanted Africa at their concerts. Eventually they played it at a concert and then released it as a single. Which was really smart, I think. Because like that people were asking for it and whether they're asking for it as a joke or not, like you make it, they're gonna listen. Yeah. I think smart might be an overstatement for me because if you have thousands
2: of people chanting for you to do a thing then when you do it. I don't think it's like wow, we made this really astute observation that people might want to hear
0: this. <laughs> That's fair. I think it's I think I think it was a good decision yeah. because and here's the thing at the end of the day. And here's what I like about this album. They didn't reimagine any of these songs. This <laughs> and and this is good and bad because this isn't this is not like a marquee Weezer release. They released this with zero press and this wasn't like a Beyonce. I'm gonna drop an album and it's gonna be amazing, and I won't have done anything, and you're all gonna love it. They were like, "We recorded some covers. We're literally Weezer, so we can just release that. Here you go." Yeah. And I really, really liked it because, to me, it sounds like it sounds like they actually really like these songs and just wanted to play these songs and hang out and do yeah. that. And because they, because they just can, they released it. And, and to me, it's sort of the culmination of this um, obsession with past eras. Not that that's ever going to change or go away, but, like, the 80s we're in, and now we're a little late for that to, like, be reminiscing to it. Um, in terms of influence for songs you're writing, but, like, Weezer does just the absolute, like, pinnacle of where it ends where 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 the uh the equilibrium changes of like hey remember this song this is how it sounds and we're gonna play it to you so you remember how it sounds yeah which isn't artistically inspired at all but it was never supposed to be. Yeah. This isn't, like, pumped up. This isn't publicized. This isn't the thing that's supposed to make or break a band. It's just like, yeah, we literally can do a cover album, so here's one. Yeah, I think there's, like, there's
2: there's nothing wrong with the fact that, like, sometimes people just want to hear a thing they like. And, like, if it's done by a, a band that they like. Mm-hmm. Or a person that they like, you know, they like will pay for that. I'm like, if like, it's one of those, it's one of those things where, like, you know, if it sells enough and, and enough people like it and enough people want to listen to it, it can't objectively be bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it is my, it, it kind of my position on a lot of pop music as well, where there's like some things where, you know, maybe it's not the, 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 to the taste of the intelligentsia. But, and that's,
0: that's exactly, like, I just, like, when I was looking this album up right now to get a track listing, like, the top thing was an article, um, from, (laughs) it's Pitchfork, and the article is Will Weezer ever stop being disappointing, and it's like,
1: (laughs) it's like, if you
0: expected this album to be anything that it wasn't, this fucking unannounced cover album, if you expect it to be anything that it wasn't, you're the one who's disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> they were like literally. Here's a cover album. No pomp, no circumstance. Like literally, this is Weezer playing some songs we like. In case you want to listen to Weezer playing some yeah. songs that Weezer likes. Like it's
1: it's nothing. It's right. not supposed to be anything. Yeah, and that's kind of. It's like a. It's like this weird Schrodinger's box of like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened, but it's also like the worst. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's it's hard to like fault mm-hmm. it, but also it's hard to like, laud it yeah. as anything. Well, and this, I well, imagine I mean,
0: all happened in the studio because they're, they're they're lined up to release a new studio album on March 1st. Yeah. And this was like they played some covers in the studio they were already in and just like, let's put this out there for fun. Yeah. And it's like, I think they're just having fun. We, should, we should listen to something off of oh, it. Oh, that's yeah. weird.
1: The album cover for the next album, which is just black, mm-hmm. but like, you can see them, and they're wearing like weird, oily, like skin tight black suits. Oh. Uh, I do want to we read this. It does one. look kind of Daft Punk. The next one looks kind of Daft Punk. I do want to yes, read this does. one cr- uh, critique that someone had that was that seems Ugh. very pointed. It was like the lifelessness of the covers ensures that it has the shelf life that isn't much longer than your average meme. But I think that's the point. That's look, absolutely the, yeah, the that, No, point. They, yeah. I love when people criticize things by describing what
2: it's trying to do <laughs> yeah. and right, like Jeff how just, it does a thing perfectly. <laughs> Jeff just said a thing
0: that I I that is also one of my absolute favorite things in the world is someone who thinks they're criticizing something by explaining exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> and like there's a beer thing. Like this that happened where someone um, left me a bad comment sometime because the porter just tasted like a lighter stout and it was like that's <laughs> what it is like
1: literally <laughs> yeah, what the, yeah. that's like
0: 100 yeah. <laughs> percent.
2: i love i love yeah because that's like i mean that goes back to we mentioned this earlier like conflating um objectivity and subjectivity where mm. it's like you're when you're doing that you're just talking about how you don't like a thing yeah right and it's like this must be because it's objectively bad and it's yeah. like no it's just because you don't you don't happen to enjoy what it was yeah. trying to be and what it did to the T.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no that, no, it, it it did the thing it was trying to do. <laughs> yeah. um, let I want to, I want to listen, I want to listen to Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, so yeah we already talked about it, so I think we got it. Off of the Teal album by Weezer. And here's the thing, a uh, great, uh, great track listing, in, in my estimation. There's Africa by Toto. Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. You know what's not on there? Sweet Dreams Are Made of, of This. What's not on here? Uh, someone actually posted it on Twitter. Take on um, me. Happy Together. Paranoid. No, no Scrubs. Billy Jean. Stand by me. Oh, <laughs> Lord. It's like. Uh, it is a karaoke album. Yeah.
1: In 2011, they did a cover of uh, Paranoid Android by Radiohead. And there's a video of it on their YouTube channel, huh. and it's based, I mean, it's it would fit. Well, I guess it's not technically 80s, but like I don't think they don't want that smoke from Tom, though. Yeah, no, Tom, Tom York <laughs> is gonna is gonna sue them. And then gonna I bet you throws. they asked. I wouldn't be surprised um, if they I would. Were... I would bet a lot of money that they asked to do that, and then he said, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> like, fine, we're just gonna do paranoid then. <laughs> All right, you want to listen to a little bit of uh, Mr. Blue Sky? I, I, yeah, and then I, put I a put almost. a neat little bow on this one. Yeah. All right, here's a little, uh, the, I like how the genre just says alternative on all of them. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a different take on this song, I guess. <laughs> it's just alternative. It's, it's an alternative just, band. It's an alternative version <laughs> of this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all, all right, oh, here's Mr. Blue Sky by Weezer.
2: That's just so very clearly them. Really loving that song. They I probably agree.
0: had. I agree. I think that's. They probably nice.
2: enjoyed the shit out of playing those songs.
0: That was probably I, a
2: very fun studio experience. The whole record, I bet, would be yeah. just like. And at this point, they don't you know, pay for studio time in the same way that most people do. And like. Yeah, it's when, you, when you're rich, you get richer. You're kind of like, yeah, well, yeah we'd love like like to have just, you in here so that we can yeah. tell people that we have you in here. Yeah. For sure. And so, like, that was probably just like a really fun week mm-hmm. for all of them. And especially with like probably. You know, it's Weezer, so like, you know, I'm sure they enjoy their music still. Probably. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like I can I can definitely see how like playing, you know, say it and so for like fucking forever mm-hmm. is like, you know, not that fun. Yeah. And like and then you're We're, just like, fuck it, let's just play and just play some songs we really like and like they might have they, I, I would not be surprised if like the story came out that they did this, they like started playing one of these songs in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. They're like, and then they just like found out that we were all smiling for the first time in ten years. And like, oh, <laughs> and they, I did a record based on that
0: feeling because <laughs> Weezer's under constant scrutiny, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's like you know, if, even this year, you've got SNL doing a sketch. About I was like, just
1: thinking, like Weezer's the SNL of music because it's, well, like,
0: <laughs> SNL did a sketch this year that was like it's exactly it's like it, there there's these these beliefs that are like. Uh, SNL slash Weezer's had their, their good years. SNL slash Weezer was never good past the beginning. Yeah. Or it was never good. Like, those are all beliefs that people have. SNL did a sketch this year when Matt Damon was on that was like... That was the person who believed the only good albums were the first two and the person who thought that the middle era is really good. And it's like, he, here's the thing at the end of the day, very similar to what we're talking about with Kanye with writing the trend. It doesn't fucking matter. People are still talking about them. Yeah. So they're still dealing with this constantly. And 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 I would fully believe you know, they're in the studio and they're dropping another album in March and it's it's a a, a Weezer album, not a cover album. And it's like they're trying so hard to be who they're supposed to be yeah um not necessarily even through pressure I mean, you but just should like write lyrics
2: in the early 2000s
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're being <laughs> like it's like we're being Weezer in 2019 we need to make a yeah. Weezer album and then i totally get this like urge to like what hey can we recover like can we record like nine covers super fucking quick? like yeah like can we just I do mean, something like, else for a couple days like I heard- can we play no scrubs and <laughs> yeah. everybody wants to rule the world, dude. And sweet dreams are made of this. Oh, and man. like if fucking Billy Jean, Stand by Me, yeah, Paranoid by Black Sabbath. There's already famous covers oh, of some God. of these songs, and it's just like they just wanted to have fun. I think because for the first yeah, time in a while, I heard one
2: minute of one song of this record, and I'm so unabashedly for this record now <laughs> because I just like ah, that just got to be so fun for them and. And, like, switch it to, like... We'll play... Like, you I'm know, just very pumped about,
0: like, them deciding to do that. I just, like, really think that's cool.
2: We'll play the, that, like,
0: the episode out on Everybody Wants to Rule the World, because I think we should grab another clip from this album. But, yeah. like, uh, before we get going,
1: uh, Nick, you got anything to plug? Uh, Six episodes of The Shifty are up. I don't know when the seventh one's going to get posted. Uh, probably pretty soon. Nice. But uh, yeah, that's the other podcast that I did for Bells, talking about the uh, beer industry, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. Uh, go leave a rating and a review on that, please. Hell yeah! So I can maybe keep doing it. <laughs> Jeff, you got
2: anything coming up? Um, yeah, so I have. I mean, I have some stuff um, out. I have I have some music out. I'm under the name Low High L O hyphen H I um and then i am really excited about a record i have coming up um with an artist named benna um and we're we're finishing up tracking on that right now and we're gonna have it out in april hopefully and so nice. look out for that it's gonna be called proxy it's gonna be very good i'm very excited about it maybe awesome.
1: we could do it as a something new and then have the both of you in again to I talk about we can it We we have a, sp- have a special episode one of, one yeah one we one did of it our with,
0: famous bonus episodes we've had two of them
1: we hey. did we did that with will and jared when yeah. uh Sex dropped Sweet. a new record so yeah
0: Awesome. Cool.
1: Um I, I don't I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't have
0: anything in the tank right now. No. Um but uh thanks everybody for listening. Um as always I've been Andrew J. Pitel. And I'm Nick Lancaster. And I'm Jeff Carwell. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. <laughs> and this has been something old. Something new. I'm borrowed for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and something brewed. Uh we'll see you on side B. Here's, Here's everybody, everybody who wants, wants to, rule to rule the world, world by Weezer <laughs> as made famous by Weezer <laughs>